0: Welcome to the 285th episode of the Reading and Writing Podcast. I'm your host, Jeff Rutherford. Stay tuned for my interview with Marshall Ulrich, an extreme endurance athlete and the author of Both Feet on the Ground. And just so you know, today is August 14th, 2020, and today on Amazon Prime Video. They launched the Eco Challenge Fiji, which is a 10-episode video series chronicling the latest Eco Challenge adventure race, which Marshall participated in. Marshall is an ultimate endurance athlete and has run more than 130 ultramarathons, 17 expedition-length adventure races, and climbed the seven summits all on his first attempts. So stay tuned for my interview with Marshall Ulrich author of Both Feet on the Ground. Stay tuned for the interview. Welcome back to the Reading and Writing Podcast. My guest today is Marshall Ulrich, the author of the new book, Both Feet on the Ground, Reflections from the Outside. Marshall is an extreme endurance athlete, ultra running icon, seven summits mountaineer, and adventure racer. He's raced led expeditions or climbed the mountains in nearly 30 countries and visited 30 more. Marshall, welcome to the podcast.
1: Well, thank you very much, Jeff. I appreciate you having me on.
0: Sure. Well, if someone listening hasn't heard about your new book, Both Feet on the Ground, Reflections from the Outside, how would you describe the book?
1: Well, what it does is uh, I take the four elements, of course, uh, you know, earth, wind, fire, and water, and I divide the book up into segments and take, for instance, the obvious choice or story that I use for air is climbing Mount Everest in the Seven Summits for fire. It's bad water. But what, what the essence of the book is, is to get outside. It's crucial to your mental health and physical health uh, to disconnect from all the gadgets that we have and connect with nature. And, you know, how nature fills you with gratitude. And I address other things, too, like diet, uh, you know, don't fall into the marketing gimmicks and, you know, buy into all that stuff. Um, facing fears about some people have a fear about getting into the outside, especially children these days. So that's kind of what the book is about. It's just uh, becoming grounded uh, with those um uh, those primitive uh, needs that we have, basically.
0: And so what what led you to writing Both Feet on the Ground?
1: Well, I, you know, my first book, Running on Empty, it chronicled running across the United States, and I thought, well, you know, this is all well and good. I did not tell the stories that some people would have liked, liked me to have told, such as climbing Mount Everest. And so it was a way to incorporate all of those a lot of the things that i did in a succinct message uh that i wanted to convey to people to get outside and reconnect with nature so i i think i don't think i'm going to write any more books it's it's just way too difficult jeff it took me a couple of years to write the first one and this one it took me 6 or 7 years so it's kind of uh what uh, i'm leaving people with uh the message that i would really like to convey
0: and so have you been a lifelong athlete yourself?
1: No, not at all. Uh at 28 years old, my uh first wife got cancer and she passed away at 30 years old and I started running just to deal with the stress, keep my blood pressure down and I I found that I had a knack for it and I started I I got better and better as the distances sort of spread out so I became what is called an ultra runner. Not that that's good or bad, but uh, anyhow, it uh, it allowed me to kind of gain some peace with myself, and honestly, it it, uh, it kind of prolonged the grieving process for me by about ten years, just because uh, you know I had something else to focus on. So there's good and bad with everything. There was you know the good parts of it because I was able to get outside I was able to do something that I love but the bad part was is that uh, I didn't do the work of grieving.
0: Hmm. That's tough. So um you mentioned diet earlier without getting into deep into details what kind of diet do you follow?
1: Well, and that's that's an easy question to answer because What I recommend to people is, you know, staying away from these engineered foods as much as you can, finding out where your food comes from, what the food source is. So in other words, uh, you know, go out and do some gardening, you know, get your hands dirty, dig in the the earth. And, you know, that's one way to reconnect, but uh, really know where you're your food source comes from, and educate yourself a little bit more, and don't fall into these gimmicks. And Jeff, as you probably know, you know, 10 years, or let's let's say 20 years ago, 30 years ago, caffeine was a bad thing. Then all of a sudden, they say it's a good thing. Now you're hearing things about fat. Oh, it was bad. Now it's good. So things are still changing, and the human body is very, very, It's it's kind of a mystery still. And so, there are all sorts of diets out there, and what I would say is just eat logically and you know know as much as possible where the food source comes from and do stay away from some of the preservatives and things like that, but just don't go crazy with it. Um, it costs you a lot of money, number one, and uh, sometimes I don't think the health benefits are are what they're all cracked up to be or what they say they're going to be.
0: Sure. So uh, earlier you mentioned, um, getting into ultra running because of, uh, the death of your first wife and you're dealing with grief at this point, what do you feel like drives you to compete in ultra running and adventure races?
1: I, I think it's, it's kind of part of, of who I am. I've been building this sort of base and just kind of upping the challenges over the years and, um, You know, I enjoy that, but I think as I grow older, I've got some limitations, uh, you know, as far as, you know, I can't go as as fast as I could, as far as I could, and so on. But I think it's important to keep the juices flowing, you know, to keep that fire burning in your belly, to always have these goals going on. So that's a big part of it. And the other part of it is, is that uh, I want to set an example for other people i'll be 69 years old here you know in another month and you know i'm still very active i can still go out and do take for instance like this 135 mile bad water race and stuff like that so i i don't back off i don't do things as well i don't uh, pay as much attention to training number one, because I don't have to. And the second thing is, is that I want to do things that I really enjoy. And one of those is spending a lot of time with my family. So, you know, my priorities have changed quite a bit, but I still have that desire to get out into the outside and push myself and, you know, just kind of test myself.
0: Well, on on the one hand, there are many Americans now pursuing their fitness journeys, CrossFit, Uh, Orange Theory has witnessed many transformations of people going from a sedentary lifestyle. And then you have Spartan races and obstacle races growing in popularity. But at the same time, there are still the statistics that everyone sees, unfortunately, growing obesity rates and the other health problems that kind of cascade from that um, obesity and sedentary lifestyle. What do you think keeps some Americans from taking that leap into kind of a fitness journey, so to speak?
1: well i I don't think it's it's much of a leap at all i I think it's the big leap is just going from being sedentary to just getting outside and it it can look very different for people i you know people may look at some of the things that I've done and they'll say, "Oh wow, and you know I'm impressed, but you know I could never do that and so you know why should I even try and I don't think that you can compare yourself to anybody else, you know, going out and simply getting started, take, for instance, walk around the block once and then just kind of increase it. So you don't have to be running. You can be walking. You can be bicycling. You can just be going out into nature, getting out on a trail for maybe a mile or two and just sitting on a rock and enjoying nature nature and absorbing it all. So it, it, it can look very different for a lot of people, and I think anybody can do it. And some people are afraid of getting outside or they're afraid of how that might look, or maybe they're a little bit overweight or something. And how does that look? And I'm embarrassed to go outside. And it's about overcoming some of those very uh, basic fears that we all have. And let me emphasize that we all have those fears. I have fears of Going out into the outside. We did. We just did a race in Fiji, and uh, you know we're in the jungle, and the jungle can be a very fearful place, especially when it gets dark and it's raining, or you're out in the ocean paddling and things like that. And I have to just put those in a proper place and just continue on and just do what I know is good for myself, and that's just being out there and in the act of doing things.
0: Well, you, just, you just mentioned Fiji, and I was going to ask you, with, with your adventure racing team, the Stray Dogs, you've competed in all nine Eco Challenges, which are elite endurance races organized by Mark Burnett, the producer of the TV show Survivor. You competed most recently in the return of the Eco Challenge Fiji in September last year, 2019. What was that latest Eco Challenge experience like for you?
1: It it was fantastic. And, of course, what I did is uh, I got together some of the old stray dogs, you know, Bob Haw, and then pulled a couple of new people on. I'd I'd raced with Adrian Crane quite a bit. But the interesting thing about it uh, was, and I just wanted to touch base on this because it's age-specific, is that um, the last Eco Challenge that we did, it just happened to be in Fiji also. That's kind of, you know, where they have Survivor. Mark Burnett is a big part of that. So uh, yeah, we went back to Fiji and I put together this team. The first team that we had in Fiji was we were 52 years old, the average age, and we were the oldest team then. So here we are 17 years later and our average age was 66 years old. And I did that purposefully. So that, you know, I could show people it's going to be televised. It'll be televised on Prime Amazon Prime. It'll be a 10 part series from what my understanding is coming out this fall. But I want people to see that they're not too old. It's never too old to start. So, uh, but that experience was much the same. It was cold. It was miserable. It, uh, you know, it's Fiji has one side of it that is in kind of the shadow side, and it's very, very cold. Plus, you have the sunny side that most people are familiar with. So, um, we had a little dose of everything. And the thing that was really unusual or sort of I felt was kind of out of place. They have paddleboarding in it, and I think that's to attract some of the newer viewers. So it has a little bit of everything for everyone. But you know, it's a tough race. It's it's not uh, the survivor, the can type thing that you have. I mean, it's real life. So um, I love doing that stuff because uh, it has a lot of problem solving too involved uh, to just get yourself forward.
0: Well, well, I know that um, the Spartan Beast in Vermont in 2018. That there was a seventy seventy-eight 78 year old woman who ran the race. I actually ran it myself that day. It was an eight and a half hour race, 30 plus obstacles up and down a tall ski mountain three different times. Um, and so there was a there was a big uh, newspaper article about the 78 year old woman. I'm curious, what words of advice uh, would you offer for older people who think they can't do these types of physical challenges, or um, participate in physical activity?
1: Well, I think the biggest limiting factor is, you know, some people may not have, like, good knees or their hips are hurting or they're not able to actually go out and, you, you know, run or you know even walk effectively but they can bicycle so i think and i find this myself too i'm not able to do what i used to do i'm a lot slower you know i have aches and pains that cross uh, crop up here and there so you know i would say that do what you can with what you've got no matter what your age is the the biggest the biggest thing is to just get outside and do something and you know for as far as that's concerned if if you're comfortable just getting in the gym and lifting weights and stuff like that listen there's nothing wrong with that but what i'm saying is connecting with nature sort of uh, it's it has a healing aspect to it that that you can't get in a gym gotcha
0: so you you alluded to earlier your first book, um, Running on Empty, which chronicled your run across America. What was that experience like?
1: That that was absolutely the hardest thing that I ever did. Take for instance, I have like three categories that I put everything into. Um, Climbing Mount Everest was probably the most technical. Sure, it was difficult. You know, the lack of oxygen makes it very technical, as well as I climb from the north side. So, you know, that's kind of rock strewn. And uh, it also has, you know, it's highly, it's very windy there. Um, The most dangerous thing that I ever did uh, was with Dave Heckman. And we did a circumnavigation. It lasted 16 days. We navigated the perimeter of death valley this was back i think in 2013 it was 425 miles we buried 33 caches did it in july and august and we you know dig these caches i've almost lost my life on the side of a of a hill coming out of the saline valley so that was the most dangerous but by far the most difficult thing was running across America because I was averaging close to 60 miles per day. I was 57 years old and the toughest thing was is you go to bed at night and I'd think to myself, "You know, my whole life is running. I can accept that, but it's so difficult to just drag yourself out of bed every day and what do you have to look forward to, you know, covering another 60 miles." Now, of course, what happens with so many things and what the reason I'd like to point this out to people is you have to get started to actually accomplish something. You know, that's very obvious. So I'd get out there on the road and after a mile or two, you know, everything would fall away. I would get in that comfort zone and I'd just carry on throughout the day. And, you know, I'd I'd let my mind drift. Uh, You know, I'd go here and there um, with my psyche and, you know, I was really comfortable. So, you know, the thing is, is you have to go out there and you have to get started.
0: So did you have a support team when you were doing that run across America?
1: Absolutely. I usually, I had four people with me, two would be on about an eight hour shift and then another two would come out for another eight or nine hours. So I was running you know, typically about 17, 18 hours a day and I was sleeping about four and a half and the rest was just kind of maintenance, uh, you know, doing massages, um, I had some plantar fasciitis that was going on so we'd have to ice my my uh feet and legs uh, probably about every 20 miles or so. So, yeah, my crew was essential. And that's the other thing I'd like to point out too. Much of what I did, much of my success wasn't just me. I had to have that support system. So, you know, I would say to people, you know, get get your family behind what you're doing and get them to uh, participate with you in in it on some level. So, you know, it's just all those things that lead to success.
0: Great. Well, well, I know that some endurance athletes have written or discussed that endurance events are more mental than physical challenges. How how do you cope mentally when you're at a low point during one of these races or runs?
1: Well, more than anything, it's, it's like life. You know, a lot of people, you know, they suffer from depression, but and some need medication for that. Uh, I think we all at one time, you know, hit the low spots, but I always try to remind myself that, you know, things will be better tomorrow. And it's the same thing like with ultra running or mountaineering. It may, you may hit a very, very tough, difficult spot. And you say to yourself, you know, I just want to, I just want to quit. I can't, Put up with this anymore. And so I just remind myself that, you know, the next mile, the next two miles or something, you know, I'll come around. And usually that's exactly what happens. Now, having said that, in the book, in my book, Both Feet on the Ground, I also deal with or talk about uh, not only the fear, but failure and how failure is an integral part of life. And I always say to other people, Don't be afraid to fail, because when I fail, I inevitably learn much more than what I've learned with my successes.
0: Gotcha. So what books have you read recently that you enjoyed, either fiction or nonfiction?
1: Gosh, I haven't uh, had a whole lot of time to read books and Quite a long time. I think there's, you know, there's a good book out there. There's once, once a runner. Um, of course, Chris McDougall. I've read his book. That's that's about running also. But uh, a lot of my life has been based on, <laughs> and I mention it in both books, uh, Call of the Wild by by Jack London. Uh, he has that, uh, you know, it's it's life seen through a sled dog's eyes. And uh, even when I was five years old, I dreamed about climbing Mount Everest, and I had this book from Jack London, and I wanted to be, you know, that dog out there, you know, just experiencing all these things and, you know, had courage and bravery and all that. Of course, you know, that hasn't always played out like I'd like it to, you know, sometimes, you know, I don't feel like I have any courage at all, but uh, at least, you know, I'd like to give myself enough credit to say that I'm still out there pitching.
0: (laughs) So, where can people find you online if they'd like to learn more about you and your book?
1: Well, they can go on the website. We're just in the process of updating it. It's just marshallolrick.com. Uh So they can they can uh, they can see a little bit about the books, a little bit about my life. Uh, it probably way more than you know what they want to know or <laughs> whatever. It's just kind of overkill. They can get the books on Amazon, of course, and uh, both feet on the ground. What I did is I waited to roll it out until I not only had um, a paperback, but a hard cover, and it's on Kindle, but most importantly, it's also on audio as well as uh, running on empty. And so, you know, they can essentially go to the website and, and get way more information than they probably would want to.
0: Great. <laughs> okay. Well, again, we've been speaking with Marshall Orlick, author of Both Feet on the Ground, Reflections from the Outside. The book is available now, so go buy a copy. And Marshall, thanks for doing this interview.
1: Well, thank you, Jeff. It was a pleasure. And uh, I, just, I just like to speak to your your audience and say, you know, get outside as often as you can and for as long as you can.
0: Thanks a lot. If you're new to audiobooks, they're the perfect way to get more books into your busy life. Listen to audiobooks during your commute, while doing chores, walking the dog, or just relaxing at home. All you need is a smartphone and the free Libro.fm app. If you already love audiobooks and don't know what to listen to next, check out recommendations and curated lists from people who know audiobooks best your local bookseller. Reading and writing podcast special offer. Get two audiobooks for the price of one with your first month of membership with code RWPODCAST. That's code RWPODCAST for two audiobooks for the price of one for your first month of membership at Libro.fm.